0: What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I am here, joined by my co-host, Dave Martinson. Dave! We're on that Spotify flow, bro.
1: Yeah, dog. <laughs> follow us on Spotify. About fucking time. Get us anywhere you want.
0: Literally everywhere. So go to SoundCloud.com slash You can choose wherever you want to follow us, but we appreciate the YouTube subscriptions, the readings and reviews on iTunes, And if you want to follow us on Spotify, we wouldn't hate that either. Share us with friends, NostalgiaPod on Twitter for all the stuff we don't talk about on the podcast. We're going to be talking about another dead artist today. Posthumously had an album released. Then we're going to be doing our best TV list. Best of 2018 TV. Uh, But before we jump in, a big trailer dropped this past Friday, Dave. And I wanted to just get your thoughts on avengers endgame <laughs> any anything stand out to you anything that you took away from?
1: honestly i watched it once i didn't think there was much to see did anything really stand out? i guess uh, hawkeye being confirmed to be ronin now that's cool that was, that's something people thought would be cool to see finally it's happening cap shaved his beard do we have any other takeaways like ant-man survived somehow out of the quantum realm shocker like i I don't have a lot to say i didn't expect to see anything we didn't see anything
0: honestly i thought they showed more than i expected like the hawkeye ronin thing i'm not really up to date on all the storylines but i had seen it rumored so i have to like read up on that but i was surprised that they even showed anything that alluded to that and then seeing ant-man at the end i was like huh i knew he was going to be involved in some sense since he wasn't he didn't go with the snap but for him to like get out without any sort of help or at least any help that we know of is Interesting. So I thought overall, it was more than I expected from the trailer. Avengers Endgame. What do you think about the name? It's
1: fine. It's funny. The Russos said that the title was not uttered in Infinity War. But of course, we all know Doctor Strange said uh, we're in the endgame now. So I thought that was funny. All the people like taking their word at face value. It's fine. It's fitting. It's definitely going to mark the definite end of this iteration of the mcu the past 10 years so yeah
0: i think it makes plenty of sense to me we're not gonna talk much more about avengers because we got another four months before that comes out why don't we talk about this xxx x, x, tentacion posthumous album skins we talked about question mark earlier in the year we're actually recording when x was shot and then pronounced dead to be, to be following his career and just him as a person has been a wild ride because of all the, the controversy surrounding him, the legal issues, and a lot of a lot of very difficult things to for fans I think to wrap their their heads around. But this guy's got stands, man. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you've been feeling it with the Takashi six nine a bit. The, the, those fans want you to get off his dick, dude. But um, <laughs> this skins, you know, it's the follow, you know, following little peep who. We, we thought there was some good in there and then some not so good in that album. What would you think of this 19-minute album by X?
1: Honestly, it's kind of what I expected. It's a lot of uh, half-baked snippets and hooks and ideas cobbled together into songs, most of which are under three minutes long. It's like, yeah, I don't think there was a lot here, apart from really one song that stood out. But, I mean, it's 19 minutes long, man. And he used to make albums that were short. His first two albums are like that. To have postures one be this short because literally there's only yeah. so much so much recordings. I mean, it's it is what it is. It's not a good record. I mean, what did you think? I mean, it, it, I feel like it doesn't. It's not long enough to make any kind of impression, given how half baked the songs are.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with most of what you said. I I do think the song with Kanye one minute was was decent, and actually hearing Kanye rap over like a rock like, backing mm-hmm. track was pretty cool. Sure. Honestly, though, like it's kind of what we come to expect from X is like the beginning you get some very like soft kind of emo-y rap and then the second half becomes very kind of hard and grunge and he was a person that definitely fluctuated between his sounds i think that's a lot of what fans liked about him he he ran the gambit of emotions and the the only thing is like one i I don't know if he would i don't know him obviously so i can't speak for him but i can't imagine that if if these weren't finished products he would have wanted the world to hear him like this I mean, the other part of it is when someone dies, their legacy is out of their hands at that point, and their estate takes over. And unfortunately, um, I don't think that this is a record the world really needed to hear. Maybe dropping the Kanye single would have been okay.
1: I don't. I have less of a problem with posthumous music being on features. X was featured on Little Wayne's The Carter Five, that uh, "Don't Cry" song. It does that hook and. I don't like, like the song or anything, but I don't, I don't feel like that's like super offensive because in the case like that, you know, a half-finished half hook or idea like that fits in better when it's not the whole song, right? And, you know, assuming that the artist fucked with the artist you're collaborating with, having them posthumously collaborate with, I don't think it's like ethically that bad, right? Um, and apparently X is going to be featured on Yandi. Take that with a grain of salt, but that's what has been floated out there. Again, not to rehash what we said for a Little Peep, but the estate is just milking X's vaults and hard drives to make money because he's a streaming giant. I mean, this is going to do better than Question Mark. It's on pace to do 160,000 equivalent units first week, uh, which is obviously gigantic. And, you know, that's despite the fact that it's not great music. He just has such so many baked in fans, most of which are very young. And I think if there is a, a highlight on this, I actually thought Train Food, the third track, was pretty uh, interesting just because he was like actually telling like a dark story, you know? And it was actually one of the more clear technical raps on the project. And again, definitely wasn't a finished idea. It actually sounded like the idea that I had a promise, but my whole thing with uh, any lauding of X as an artist, has always been, I always thought he was more theoretically a great talent than someone who had actually produced a lot of great songs. But... Again, this just this posthumous album just shows you again more of the promise, not really any more results or anything.
0: Yeah, we maybe we'll we'll throw that that track on there, um, to our Nostalgia Best Twenty Eighteen playlist, which you should go follow if you wanna uh catch up on all the songs we'll probably be talking about next week. But now we're getting into it, Dave. Twenty eighteen, best TV shows of the year. You know, before we jump in, because we really kind of break it down between three mediums. We do music, we do TV, we do movies. It's like our our bread and butter Mm. right there. Holy Trinity. Yeah. And if you had to throw a fourth one in, just like overall trends that are going on in pop culture. But where does TV rank in those three for you?
1: I mean, I inherently watch less TV than I do watch movies or listen to albums. So I guess in that sense, it's third. But that's not like. It's not that I have any issues with TV. I love TV, so especially TV now. There's more good TV than I have time to watch it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just easier to bang out music, and I've really taken to going to the movies as much as fucking possible now, so uh, mm-hmm. I see a lot of movies. But, yeah, I think TV is... Uh, it was a. Gr- it was, I think it was a good year for TV, not, maybe not the greatest year, Um nothing really captured the zeitgeist but that this is also a different time where that's a lot harder to do in terms of delivery methods and we'll talk more about television trends later in the month but yeah i um even if it's quote my third place uh pillar i still had a great time with television this year watched a lot of it probably honestly probably the most tv i've ever watched to be honest in terms of just watched you know
0: different seasons i hadn't seen before so i mean what about you where,
1: where how are you feeling with tv
0: these days TV, I think, used to be my number one. And I feel like it's probably fallen back to two or maybe three. I think it's I think that speaks more to the year we had in movies and, and music. I mean, movies, There, I mean, just making my top ten list right now, I, there's going to be so many that I leave off that are going to be tough to leave off. And I didn't even see nearly as many, many movies as you have. And by the time we record, I doubt I'll have seen mo- uh, some of the movies that are on a lot of people's top. 10 list just by the fact, it won't be out by me. So, um, and music. I mean, we'll talk about it next week. But pretty much every major artist dropped an album this past year that you can think of. Other than, you know, like Vampire Weekend, The Alabama Shakes, like those notable exceptions. Maybe a couple of pop people, like like Bieber didn't drop one. But overall, I mean, a hell of a year for music, especially in rap. I mean, it's unbelievable the, the names that dropped and the, the albums that stood out are. But mostly not well established people, but up and comers. So it's just unbelievable. So I think TV at this point is probably third for me. But still, I mean, we're going to be talking. At least I'll be talking about Vince Gilligan to spoil a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking about um, some some new people. Um, but overall, just uh, a lot of the, the people who are making these. I mean, Matthew weiner's not even going to be on there. Nope, he. He came back to, to TV this year and that, that speaks to just like the strength of, of all these mediums right now. I have a lot of great curators. So why don't we start off with, with shows that didn't make our list that we um, had a hard time leaving off. I know you had a couple.
1: Yeah. I feel like I had like a big 13 this year and these are shows that I didn't have any issues with. I just obviously, you know, that's three shows I just have to cut off. One of those shows came out on Netflix in the early summer. And that's Glow, the second season on Netflix. Is that on your list? Didn't make mine. Didn't make yours, yeah. It, and I think Glow is a show that has relatively few flaws and it. I think it actually leveled up in its second season and I think had more ambitious storytelling and more moments for its supporting cast. And obviously Alison Brie, Betty Gilpin are great uh, lead actors for it. And Mark Marin, of course, is really awesome, too. But I uh, just didn't quite make the cut. But it's a show that I really like. And honestly, I don't watch a ton of comedy. So for a comedy to stand out to me, I think, actually kind of speaks to the overall quality and uh, uniqueness of it. And I think Glow, two seasons in, I'm a big fan of.
0: Yeah, Glow, Glow didn't make my list. Um, it's, it's a great show. Uh, Betty Gilpin and Alison Brie are, are phenomenal in it. Mark Maron also gives a great performance. And this season did a really good job of starting to flesh out those other characters as well. So uh, I, I only see that show getting better as it moves forward. What else didn't make your list? Is,
1: is the Deuce on your list?
0: The Deuce was my number 11.
1: <laughs> the Deuce is my number 12. And ah. I think I had it like eight or so last year for its first season. Just didn't quite make the cut this year. But again, it's a show that I don't have any issues with. I really enjoy it. Obviously, we talked a fair amount a bit uh, about it recently. But you know, again, a David Simon show with fucking Pelicanos writing and Franco and this great talented cast and this incredibly world great world world building that we come to expect from David Simon and it's uh, you know I think it's it's a pleasure to watch and has quite the ensemble one of the most impressive ensembles you have in terms of servicing all these different storylines um, and Maggie Gyllenhaal I think really shined this season but just didn't quite make the cut this year and I think that just kind of speaks to the other shows I had on the list not really anything fall to the deuce.
0: Yeah, I think our biggest criticism when we spoke about the, the season as a whole of, of The Deuce Season 2 was there's almost like too much good stuff going on to give enough time to any single one, which is a, a really a great criticism of a show if there's if you just want to see more of everything. So yeah, definitely check out The Deuce. It's, it was a tough one to leave off. What was your number 11?
1: My number 11 is uh, Maniac on Netflix. Is that on your list?
0: Mm. No, I didn't make it.
1: Yeah, Maniac. That's a we talk a lot about or tours and we'll talk about some shortly. But I mean, Kerry Fukunawa just directed the shit out of it. And this is a show that's a miniseries. Emma Stone and uh, Jonah Hill, obviously, selling points. all All these big name talent and Patrick Somerville, big time showrunner. But it's just a show that just shot at shot the whole time and does all these cool like one-off destinations because it's all like mental projections and whatnot so i was really impressed with the show i really liked it and to show that like, the plot is almost secondary to just the visuals and like the in the moment storytelling you know not the overall uh narrative or anything but i really like maniac and uh it's a miniseries, so it's done it's over but I know some like wacky shit like that. That's also like really well done and looks amazing. Like I have a lot of time for.
0: Yeah, I think with how good TV is now, and you really have to choose like how you're going to spend your time watching television because it's, you know, out of all three of those uh, that we talked about, the one that needs the most needs it just takes up the most time to to, no matter what. You want to watch something that's like visually pleasing and also that challenges you a little bit, and that's actually one of the shows I left off. I wanted to mention, which is Legion by Noah Hawley um season two was I, I thought was a very good season didn't quite have the um the momentum of season one I think it got a little superfluous at times and a little bit almost like too out there Needed to bring yourself back in but I mean that, that's a show kind of similar to Maniac that I got a lot of time for just you know that that final battle between Farouk and and David is like for sure I, I, I still think about that scene a lot so uh Some great stuff and all of those. One other show I left off my list, but I have a feeling you'll have on yours. Sharp Objects on HBO.
1: Not on my list, actually.
0: Ah, well, shout out to that. um There were a lot of great new shows this year, and that, that was a uh, you know limited series, not going to be coming back for another season. But you know, you got Jillian Flynn, you got Amy Adams. uh It was really well done. Had a nice twist at the end. But I think for me, it just wasn't able to crack, crack my top ten, just because there was a lot of like moments where I found myself kind of down on it just it wasn't a very fun show to be in at times and uh, I'm not really here for that yeah
1: Sharp Objects I think I said this at the time but it's a show that I respect more than I like actually was entertained by most of the time you know mm-hmm. and Amy Adams performance is great it's Christmas scene it was really good too and has a actually a, a distinct visual style which I think was helpful to the mood it was setting but it often wasn't the most inviting watch but I still respect it because it's still well done
0: so, why don't we jump into our top 10 list? Uh, you want to go first?
1: Yeah, my number my number 10 is one of two shows on this list that I literally just finished, uh, and that's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season 2. Um, yeah. I'm sure that's on your list somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have it at number 6.
1: Cool. Yeah, Maisel um I know I didn't watch it in time for my list last year. I don't know, did did you watch? It, it came out in December last year as well. I don't think did you watch it in time or did you get to it late also?
0: I think I got to it late as well.
1: Yeah. So, because I remember we, we did post a review, but it was in the new year this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but banged out this whole season, this 10 episode season order uh, over the course of a weekend. And I'm, honestly, I, I, I kind of like to <laughs> I wish I could just do it all over again because the show is so, so darn pleasurable like the whole time. It's incredibly bingeable. Um, mm-hmm. And Amy Sherman, Pall- Sherman Palladino, fresh off some Emmy wins. The show won. Hella Emmys, what, uh, four out of five Emmys uh, a few months ago. And this new season already got three Golden Globe nominations. And I mean, that's because the dialogue in paladino fashion is super witty and sharp and rapid fire. Right. And it's just so darn enjoy- enjoyable. And that's on top of the fact that Amazon put some coin into this. So it looks amazing. It's got great locations, whether you're in Paris or the Catskills or New York. And of yeah. course, the performances are, are uh, perfect. Rachel Brosnahan and Alex Borgstein, of course, but Tony Shalhoub is just fucking on one this whole season. He's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, I actually saw Zachary Levy uh, had great chemistry with Brosnahan and was a welcome oh, addition cool. to the cast. So yeah, I, um, I really liked this even, season. I saw some comments that uh, you know, the show maybe was less interested in the forward momentum of Midge's career and maybe that was like a, that detour was perhaps not for the best interest of the show. But I thought overall, like, it's just so enjoyable, such a good time, no matter what we're doing on that show. That I don't really mind if we're slowing down the story, considering we know we're going to get several more seasons. So I was a big fan. What'd you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I have a number six on my list. Um, there are moments in The Marvelous Miss Maisel when I, I think I forget I'm watching a TV show. I just get, like, so sucked into it. Like when uh, Midge is doing the the TV show and she starts like taking the calls and kind of like going around the set and they start like everybody like comes rushing back to the stage to like watch her. Right. I felt sucked in in the same way just because Rachel brosnan's performance is so magnetic and the funniest like I guess like maybe not the funniest but the most impressive thing about the seasons I actually think Alex Borstein's performance is even better. Um, I found myself way more interested in Susie's storylines and, and her escapades, especially like when she gets abducted or, uh, when she's taking on, uh, I forgot the, the, the other female companion, like uh, d- the, Jane Lynch's character. Yeah. Jane <laughs> yeah. Lynch's character. Um, I, I, I just love seeing the way that Susie kind of navigated all that. Um, I, my one critique of the show is I do feel like the pacing of it is a little bit up and down and some of the character arcs, um, like like a lot of shows where they, they try to uh, mirror the real world or of, of progress and mm. characters fall back into old patterns. Um, I felt very frustrated by especially Rose's story arc this season where she starts off and is really this badass at the beginning of the season and falls quickly back into the old patterns by the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. Um, the show's indulgent
0: at times, especially yeah. with
1: the screen time it gives to the whole ensemble. And yeah, I think the stuff with Rose was kind of disappointing just because she kind of just falls back into the yeah we're gonna kind of comment on gender roles of the 50s but not really go anywhere with it so Rose is just gonna kind of be there and play off of Abe and it's mm-hmm. fine it's, it's it's great to watch they're doing good stuff with that but you just kind of let on that you perhaps were gonna take a little further than you just backed off um I agree with that right. um yeah I think uh also they give Susie okay. the best lines like obviously like comedy bits are well written but yeah i think alex borstein definitely has like the best singers and stuff just throughout
0: definitely just one other other critique and this is a personal thing i don't really give a shit about uh joel and midge at all Yeah. so like
1: i was gonna say this as well
0: <laughs> yeah like like their, their romance especially like in the beginning like when she's in france and she's telling the story and it's a drama and everybody's crying i was like what the fuck is this like i don't give a shit about joel like joel sucks midge shouldn't well, she say it, it. yeah joel does suck and i actually he sucks less this season than he did in past but you know what really made me out on joel that guy doesn't know how to fucking swing a baseball bat that scene where him and his friend are like hitting (laughs) balls into the field i was watching with julianne she she was like that guy doesn't know how to
1: swing i was like yeah was that cgi because they were hitting the balls far
0: yeah really
1: far (laughs) yeah it's funny i have no idea yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing, though, like, like that's a scene that can stand out for for a bad reason, right? But there's so many moments like that. I think, um, actually, the best stuff for me with Joel, and again, some people probably didn't like this because it slowed down and took time away from Midge and, and Susie, but his stuff with his dad, Moish, and yeah. Kevin Pollack is fantastic doing Jewish humor and stuff, right? So I thought all, their whole dynamic was awesome. And uh, But yeah, I mean... I did not expect to spend like three episodes at
0: the Catskills Steiner Resort, you know? Yeah, but we did. Definitely not. <laughs> I think there was a lot of great stuff in there, but right. um, definitely the at the pacing of the show is something that was up and down for me. But Marvel's Miss Maisel, if you haven't watched it and you have Amazon Prime, which pretty much everybody does, you need to check it out. I can't recommend it enough. Um, number, number 10 five. on my list was The Good Place, which I think came in at like number four on my list last year. Um, this is the third season um, of this NBC Michael Shore property, and it's it's just really really fun to watch. Um, this has probably been the worst season. Uh, you know, season two actually I think was airing the second half of it when mm-hmm. we were finishing up or when we were, we started the year. So really, I guess this is uh, second half of season two, which is phenomenal, and then uh, first half of season three, which seemed to lose its footing a bit. They were going back and forth between the bad place and back on Earth, but now they've they've brought it back into the absurd and going into uh, I think they're headed to the, the good place finally the actual good place uh, uh. so a, a lot of a lot of really cool stuff Darcy Corden in the last episode that aired was really on one and uh, she had to impersonate every single actor in the show so she, except for Ted Danson and she fucking nailed it it was unbelievable so shout out uh, Darcy Corden she was also in. Um, uh, it's actually DRC recording. She's also in Barry as like one of like the bit um, people in the
1: uh, in the class.
0: Uh, yeah, the class. So uh, she's she's having a great year. Barry, I think, will be on both of our lists later on. Um, yeah. But the good place if you want to find a thirty minute comedy that is just it's a great sitcom. Definitely can't recommend that. Yeah. enough.
1: Well. Your, your number one source of uh, Blake Bortles humor on television.
0: Yes, Blake Bortles. He, well, actually, it's funny when they once they said Blake Bortles is good, he started being bad again. The whole like, bit is fucking <laughs> right. phenomenal. I don't know how they do it. Uh, what was your number eight? Uh, number nine, sorry.
1: Yeah, my number nine is the other show that I literally just finished, and that is a uh, that's partially because it literally uh, finished airing last night, and that's uh, my brilliant friend on HBO. Um, this is a co-production between HBO and. Uh, let's see, R.A.T. and TMI Vision from Italy. It's an Italian show, uh, all in Italian, with English subtitles, cast with uh, all these unknown actors from the uh, Naples, Italy region. And it's an a eight-episode miniseries adaptation of the first uh, book in the Neapolitan series by uh, Elena uh, Farale, I think is how you say it. Uh, and it's a wide... Uh, bestseller, really famous quartet of novels, and they already greenlit the, a new miniseries for season two. But this is something that actually like kind of surprised me. I was not, you know, I was saying, ah, am I going to give this a shot? And I saw some love for it, and I saw Palos Sorrentino uh, executive produced it, and we were a big fan of his work on The Young Pope last year. So I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot, and I mean, obviously it uh, requires a lot of your attention, being that it's all in subtitles. You literally cannot look away or anything like that. But what, it, what the show, you know, what, what, what the show is set in a post-war uh, suburb of Naples, Italy in, like, the 1950s. And it's about the relationship of these two girls, uh, Lila and Lenu, and how they grow up. And it starts out when they're literally, like, eight-year-olds, and then they age up when new actors, so then they're, like, in their early teens. And it's just a really warm show with great uh, comments on gender roles at the time and class, socioeconomic stuff. Yeah, it's on the show really beautiful, and I really enjoyed it. It's uh, definitely, again, a demanding watch because because of the, the language, but, you know, I thought where it went, uh, and honestly, the strength of these actors, these these kids, were actually really good despite being uh, just unknowns. I mean, I think they, they went through like 9,000 kids at the uh, auditions to finally cast these kids, and they were really good. So My Brilliant Friend, that's my number nine. I did not expect the show to be on, there. let's put it that way, but I was uh, very impressed with the show eight episodes
0: definitely a show i want to check out didn't have time uh wasn't able to get to it in time um my number nine i I assume this is on your list because you didn't give it a shout out so it must be uh better call saul season four just aired where does it fall on your list it's number five for me Ooh, very strong i mean it could have been up there i think this speaks to again how how strong of a year it was um better call saul for me uh, I mean, this season four was almost like two had two very different storylines. There was the the procedural lawyer drama with uh, you know Bob Odenkirk and uh, Rhea Seahorn. and then there was Michael Bank or Jonathan Banks um, trying to get you know this um, this lab built and kind of how uh, all the issues that came along with that and the Germans. Um, the most impressive thing to me about this show is. Uh, Vince Gilligan, I, I think in the first couple of seasons we, we talked about in our breakout, how it moved almost too slow, like to a point where it was hard for people to really stay engaged with it. And it all works so perfectly to build such a, a, a really a, like a breathtaking world, because when you, when you step into this show, you are like lost in um, Bob Odenkirk uh, as Saul, you're lost in Jonathan Banks as Mike trying to figure things out with Gus, um, but mostly, and I think the standout of all this is Kim Rhea Seehorn, mm-hmm. who is the heart of the show, and she's the the person that is the um, you know the the audience's. Um, I'm losing the word, but she Avatar, yes Avatar. Thank you. Um, and the look on her face at the end of the season as Saul, you know, you, you know, you think he. Jimmy's going to go back to being good, and they're going to get together, and she sees him just slip into Saul for good. Bunch it's, of suckers. Yeah, it's perfect to basically uh, sum up the season and what we are seeing. So Vince Gilligan, a uh, master class in TV making. I'm really excited to see how this the show wraps up in the next two seasons. You had it at number five. Why at number five?
1: Yeah, I just think, honestly, Gilligan and Gould, they're just – they they're just fucking pros man it's a master class <laughs> yeah. in tv making and just sheer excellence in writing um these scripts are fantastic and these seasons are so well thought out and you know when you think back on how the season any of these seasons progress it, the pacing is really impressive and then you factor in the world building the fact that this is also surfacing the Breaking Bad universe as a prequel and it's like everything it does it's just so impressive and like you said the the performances are great but like it's a show that will spend like minutes on end with minute things but because of the way it builds and delivers things it's so effective like I keep thinking about the slow build-up to Mike uh putting gum in that parking lot uh, uh, yeah. card slot to lose the tail right mm-hmm. and that whole build-up is like two and a half minutes offering him to do this one thing and get away but and like there was the psych guy with the gun in the in the glove compartment early in the scene right like it's, mm-hmm. just, it's moments like that where you just realize how great and talented these guys are so yeah i love saw
0: yeah that that scene and also when um when mike has to kill the german out in the field and just like the way that that they shot that from from a distance and you so you can just barely see their outlines i thought was so beautifully done um yeah vince gilligan uh this and breaking bad crazy that this he's on a fucking heater like Mm -hmm. the last what decade 12 years now
1: something like that yeah when was brad oh wait i think it started yeah it must have
0: been so decade um number eight for me oh wait did you hear number eight yet
1: no, it did not. Uh, I'm sure this is on your list, too. The Little Drummer Girl.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. I had that at number five for me.
1: Awesome. Yeah, again, in a show we just recently talked about, but uh, a show that we thankfully got here in the U.S. on AMC very soon after it was airing, uh, or right as it was airing uh, in the U.K. And, yeah, it's a sure that's, like it's like, the best kind of vibe, you know? It's, like, a period show, but it's so, uh, like, Park Chan-wook's camera work is so strong and also unique. Like, it really stands out where we're framing all these kinds of scenes, whether we're these are, like, realistic, actually in-the-moment events we're seeing with Florence Pugh and Skarsgård and Shannon and all them, or it's, like, more mental uh, projections. And while the story, the plot, isn't as easy to uh, follow at times, the show is not holding your hand with anything, you just kind of get on board with this show and because it's only six episodes you just kind of ride with it and i think it's in terms of like a show that's indulgent with spycraft and obviously indebted to its source material from john le Carre, i think it's really special and really stood out in terms of uh you know I mean, we watch a lot of miniseries we watch a lot of shows that have you know like spying or like you know um secret spy in stuff like that and it was more than that. It w- it wasn't as a uh, procedural as I thought it wasn't as, uh, a to a to point A to B as I thought it was much more ethereal. And it, I, that's kind of what stood out to me the most, you know, apart from the gray cast and the great locations, you know, it's the vibe that really st- stuck with me.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think what, what stands out to me most is the show is really a mirror image in a lot of ways. You know, you have Sarsgaard and Shannon on one side, and then you have the two, um, the two people in the Palestinian army um, revolutionary army, whatever it's called on the other Mm -hmm. side. And uh, in the middle is Florence Pugh. And these guys are like six feet tall, you know, handsome guys. I mean, Skarsgård is like the epitome of like a handsome like (laughs) actor. And the whole season rests on her teetering back and forth on this ledge. And the way that she's able to give a performance where I think, you know, unless you've read the novel, a lot of people were not sure which side she was going to come out in the final episode is just uh, amazing and really such a breakout for her. Um, Yeah. And I think also for you mentioned it before, but um, Park Chan-wook is, uh, you know, announcing his presence with authority here. Um, Really stylish, beautiful scenes we we talked about in our breakout, but, you know, like uh, sitting on the Acropolis, you know, the, the scenes of the the, um, you know, the, the hillsides and, and just uh, overall a beautifully shot season. So definitely if you, if you have six hours, you know, uh, during your winter break, highly recommend this and, and make yourself familiar with Florence Pugh. Cause she's not going anywhere. Um, number eight for me was well, a show we talked about recently as well. Homecoming by Sam Ashmell on Amazon. Uh, you know, 30 minute drama. Ten was well, ten episodes, thirty minute drama. Uh, I could not have been happier with a thirty minute drama. You know, <laughs> sitting yeah, through these hour long ones is is, is uh, quite the grind sometimes. And this was so well done by Ashmel. Not only, you know, he's using uh, multiple timelines to tell the story and to fill in gaps. And I think the payoff and how he was going back and forth with with the the you know like the screen that was kind of minimized down to then have it mm-hmm. open up was was wonderful overall but he also just i mean you take julia roberts and you let her kind of run run with the story and just give such a, a great i feel like measured performance in a lot of ways and i don't see how anyone could really watch this and think that this tv show isn't worthy of being in a top 10 list
1: yeah asmal directed all 10 of these episodes and like you said, the camera techniques really stand out. Whether that's the conventional full full shots, where the visual palette really stands out, similar to his yeah. you know techniques with Mister Robot. But then, like you said, when he's conveying uh, memory and flashbacks in a certain way with the four three aspect ratio in regards to Julia Roberts, Heidi, it, it's really dynamite. And again, it, like I spoke about Maniac before, that has unique unique ideas going on. But Ismael is someone who always brings this with anything he makes. Now, this is the second show we've seen this, him do this. And it just makes the show, like, really eye-catching. Apart from the fact that it also moves at a cool pace. Uh, again, it's only five hours long, but it moves pretty briskly. And it's not, like, just a mystery box show. It's more of a traditional, like, uh, thriller indebted to, you know, like the 80s and stuff, right? I think it's really well done in that regard. And like you said, Julia Roberts playing uh, her first TV role, but she's much, very much playing off type. You know, she's usually just a nat- uh, effortlessly charismatic performer, but she's playing a character that's not that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really exciting show. And of course, if you go see, stick it through, through to the end, you know, where the show leaves off with Hong Chao and Ken and whatnot, it's uh, very definitely excited for season two. But, you know, season one itself, I thought was uh, fucking awesome. <laughs> I really liked it. That's number seven for me.
0: And I have no doubt we're going to be talking about um, Sam Eshmel next year for Mr. Robot Season 4, which should be premiering, I think, sometime early next year. So uh, definitely uh, Homecoming is worth the watch. And like we said, it's 30 minutes. so You can get through it pretty quick. Uh, Number seven for me. I don't know if this is going to be on your list. The End of the Fucking World on Netflix. It is not on my list. I I had
1: that a little further down outside my top 13, but it, it, it was one of the first shows we talked about of the year, but I still I quite enjoyed it.
0: it you know, uh, it was directed by Jonathan uh, Entwistle and Lucy, uh, I'm not going to say this right, Ch- <laughs> Ch- um, but really th- this show rests on the performances of the two leads, uh, Alex Lother and Jessica yep. Barden, and um, it's very dark witty show uh, about these two kids who are uh, have some traumatic traumatic things happen to them in their lives prior to joining together and then after they join together and just kind of how they're dealing with it and, and um, they both give excellent performances uh, you know obviously Jessica Barden gets a little bit more uh, room in the kitchen to cook with than Alex Lothar's James who's a little mm-hmm. bit more within himself but I think the story um, I think the story is, is really magnetic and you just want to keep watching and I, I think it makes it the perfect Netflix show but also the perfect show for I think uh, teenagers and, and young people at this time and in a world that is you know very uh, difficult in a lot of ways on a daily basis and these two people just trying to figure it out so uh, definitely recommend it and it's, it's quick it's also a 30 minute uh, yeah. episode so it's, it's worth the watch what was your number six Dave
1: my number six was Bodyguard on netflix ah
0: fuck. i forgot bodyguard <laughs> damn it oh man i i had a feeling i was forgetting one of them if i had to go back and do it bodyguard probably would have get, gone number 10 for me. so
1: which would have bounced what out for a you good place okay yeah no i think it's it's a great year it's tough to narrow it down yeah no bodyguard i uh there's another show i talked about uh in this fall it's literally the most popular show in england in the uk since down abbey massive numbers over there and uh, we got it pretty soon afterwards here on netflix again another quick uh turnover to the states but this was a show that really maintained its tension throughout the whole run i think it was what six episodes or pretty short um and did not really hold your hand with that tension i think once the big um big event happens you know early on in terms of character uh, dynamics changing uh the plot might be a little more frenetic but i still think overall it's really enjoyable and a lot of that's because richard madden i think gives a great performance uh, again we we knew he was talented from portraying rob stark but he gets a lot more to do in, in this and i think he's especially in the early going he's very uh it's a very subdued performance you know it's very he's internalizing the light you're not really sure where he's uh where he stands with a lot of the events but no i thought it was a really thrilling show and uh i think part again you know a lot of these shows that we have on our list are pretty short run times right and i think ultimately something we've always talked about we're like you know trim the fat cut it down but i think a show like bodyguard which was a little longer than collateral another similar uk-based show but i think bodyguard was really kind of like the perfect size just because in terms of being a you know, political thriller with like spycraft and stuff, you know? So yeah. I, uh, I, I really liked it. I thought it, I thought it was really engaging the whole time and I would recommend it to anyone.
0: Yeah. It's super cl- uh, crowd pleasing show. You know, I had those really like tense action type moments. Um, but then also the plot moved in all the directions you kind of wanted it to for the most part. Um, so I, there's not, there's not too much I can say bad about Bodyguard. And, uh, only I wish I had remembered it to put it on the list. <laughs> um, yeah. No, number six for me was Maisel. We already talked about it. Number five for me was a Little Drummer Girl. What was your number five? Uh, Saul. Saul? Okay, let's jump to number four. What What'd mm-hmm. you have? Uh, well, Barry. actually, yeah, before we start, I feel like like there is a definitive mm-hmm. top four for this year. If nothing else, I feel like there's four shows that really rose above the rest, and I think we're we going to have the same four just in different orders.
1: Yeah, I had these, these four blocked off here for some
0: time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And my uh, number four was Barry yeah barry number three for me so why'd you have barry four
1: yeah barry um early in the year right and it really impressed us i mean obviously we were interested from the start you know bill Hader doing something that's not outwardly comedic and henry winkler returning to television after you know quite some time out of the sun um it was intriguing to everyone right um and I believe and, and Barry, uh, Hater also was involved with the production of this and directing and stuff. You, it was very much a Hater production. And then once you watch the show and you realize like, it's operating at a whole different wavelength that was not expected at first, you're like, oh, it's a, it's a story about a hitman that you know wants to re, reintegrate himself in society so he's going to go study to become an actor. But <laughs> then you watch the show and you realize you're watching a protagonist that is just a bad person. And you watch him continue to become worse, not better. And Hater's performance is fantastic. Henry Winkler is great. I think Gene is a delight the whole time. Oh but I, I mean, just the where the show takes you through this season. Heck, I mean, I think we said this at the time, but if the show never came back, it's honestly it was a very fitting ending. Uh, but I really thought that journey was quite impressive, and you know, it was really well paced scripted there was also great comedy in here too uh and a lot of that comedy was quite dark uh but overall I, I was very impressed and blown away by barry
0: yeah i mean if you had told me at the beginning of the year right, barry was going to be a show with bill hater as the star and he was probably going to be the least funny part about it i wouldn't have believed you um but really hater gets to play this very dramatic role which has has funny moments for sure um, you know, like I, I think more about like his physical humor in it, um, more than anything. Like I think about him trying to like match the facial expressions or um you know, like that one for some reason just sticks to my mind. But then I think about like Noho Hank and like how <laughs> fucking funny he got to be all season. You know, Henry Winkler got to be so like I don't know, just magnetic and outgoing and and right. really just shine in this role. Um Yeah, I mean it's i think for uh, in terms of a debut season the only comedy i can think of there's only two that i can think of and they're both on this list atlanta and the good place i had season ones that really caught me this way for the first season so i'm really looking forward hopefully we get more barry but if not uh shout out bill Hader for coming up with this awesome fucking show
1: i think we're getting more Barry. i think that's already confirmed i'll
0: check that um I'm I'm pretty sure you're right too. I just was thinking about you saying if it doesn't come back, which made me really sad for a second. Um <laughs> what was your number 3, Dave? Uh
1: yeah, it was renewed
0: by the way, okay, Barry. Great.
1: Uh yeah, my number 3 was Succession.
0: Ah, okay. So I'm going to jump in with my number 4 cuz I thought we were going to have him switched. Number 4 for me then was Killing Eve. Uh, okay. Which That's my number 2. We we can get a chance to talk about and I actually just finished up recently. Um you know, this is a show created by Phoebe Waller Bridges, who made Fleabag, a show I still need to go back and watch. Um
1: <laughs> Phoebe Phoebe Waller Bridge, not Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, <laughs> I know. i
0: I'm get, I would I was like listening to Phoebe Bridgers and then also like writing up my Killing Eve breakdown and I was like, huh, I'm gonna get this confused tomorrow. Yeah. I thought for sure. <laughs> um Sandra O. Oh. So I've watched some of Grey's Anatomy. I, you know, I, I I've dabbled. If an it, episode's on, I might check it out. And Sandra Oh's not on the show anymore, but maybe she died on the show. I feel like everybody on the show dies yeah. at some point. Their character does, anyways. Um, Sandra I, I wasn't really a big fan of her. I found her eccentric, just kind of like out there, and she didn't really strike me as a an actor I really wanted to follow. Um, and then she becomes Eve, and. <laughs> She was fucking made for that role, dude. Like, what awesome casting. Um, Her and uh, Judy Comer. Comer? Um, Jody
1: Comer, yeah. Fucking
0: the the relationship between them, the obvious camaraderie between them was so evident on screen. Um, That and just how well-written this show is and the way it's able to, like, give snappy dialogue, really tie things in, give little bits of humor here and there. I just thought uh, this show was a revelation and I can't wait for season two because I feel like they have so much to dig into and such such a relationship between the two main characters to, to pull apart. What did you think? Yeah, you know,
1: going in, I had known that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was really well regarded as a writer and I haven't seen her show Fleabag, which is on Amazon, only like six episodes, but everyone really talked about her as a writer and then she even got kind of got to embody a little bit that when she was the voice of the the, the droid in mm. uh, fucking Solo recently, right? Yeah. And but then the have her do Killing Eve, which is like such like a just like such such an indulgent like opportunity. I'm so happy she got to do this chance because from the jump, this show just hooks you in. Like those first three episodes maintain tension. No, no way that was matched for me with anything else this year. I thought those first three episodes were effectively flawless. The way they bring Villanelle and Eve together so soon, mm-hmm. you know, and like you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, it's killing Eve. She's just gonna be evading the assassin the whole time. And it'll be it'll be cool to watch. No, that's not what the show is. Right. And and like they they caught together so fast, and, I, and, and then then once they're actually together and they start having conversations, and you realize like, wait, the show is tackling like themes of like purpose and ambition and stuff yeah. and it, it, it's way more ambitious it shows me more ambitious than I, I thought it was ever going to intend to be and then it's also Philanelle has great humor I think a lot of her moments especially early in the season when she's alone or with Constantine are, are standout. Yeah. Uh, I thought Jodie Comer actually was one of my uh, favorite breakout performances of the year in terms of someone I uh, now I'm quite familiar with and a big fan of yeah. uh and like I said, the writing, I think, is is really, really well done. And I think it's part because the casting is very inspired. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sandra Owen and Comer really you know, live in these characters. And I thought, you know, even where it went in places I didn't expect, like I didn't think we were going to spend any time in any Russian prisons or anything else, <laughs> to put it that way. Yeah. Um, but it always came back around. And, like, the whole, like, overarching stuff of Constantine the Twelve, I think, is – It's a cool framework to keep for the future of this Mm -hmm. show. But I am actually quite curious where the show will go for season two, just because the whole dynamic has changed, you know, since we started. So, but (laughs) even if season two falls off, I think season one was just a masterclass in
0: maintaining tension in terms of storytelling. I was, I loved it. Even up to the point where they're laying on the fucking bed together, like, at the end like it you just could like cut the tension with a pin uh, with a needle it was so tense um yeah you know jody comer is like one of the biggest breakouts for me as well and i I was wondering who do you feel like had a had a better breakout comer or pew
1: shit that's a good question um i think because jody comer was a, a little less well known i'd give it to her yeah um, just because people were already talking about Florence Pugh last year and she's already got some big looks already. But it's a great question. They're both stars.
0: Yeah, and I feel like Cumber, I mean, Villanelle is a, um interesting character, like so sexual and like, so deviant and mysterious and weird. Um, I mean, she's got a lot, lot to play with there. So uh, I think that... She is going to be a huge star, and we're going to be seeing her for a while. Um, why don't we jump to, what was it, number three for me? No, number, where did you have Killing Eve on your list, by the way? Two. two. Okay, so number three for me was Barry. Um, and then number two for you was Killing Eve. And number three for yep. you is Succession, so, though. So let's talk about that, because that was my number correct. one.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah, Succession. Uh, probably the first, perhaps only show of the year to capture any grasp of the zeitgeist. Yeah. Right, I think partially because it was released in a relatively quiet summer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as far as TV goes, that really helped. I think. Uh, but the show quickly became just a content factory for the internet, right? And memes and jokes and gags and all that. So that that really helped the show catch life and really build an audience because. One of the most common refrains about this show is that first three episodes kind of slow I, I, I did I didn't continue It didn't hook me I gave up mm-hmm. but then everyone tells you like no fucking keep watching this show the show exponentially improves throughout the whole season. It's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Okay. Well, <laughs> where, once you get to that
0: boardroom it, scene it just like it's like a fucking rocket dude
1: right and it just like the show knew where it was going the whole time. But man, does it is it the each audience member as they're just watching this show and they're realizing, oh wait, that's what this show is. It's not what I thought it was, you know. Because initially, I think I don't even think you were that interested in it at no. first, right? Because it was a show about, you know, analogs of the Murdoch family, which is not the most pleasant thing to watch in the age of Trump, right? I think we've all had enough of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of wealthy families that treat each other badly, I think we're cool on that, right? <laughs> then we realize wait the show is not only hilarious but it's super smart mm-hmm. and it's expertly casted that it's just a joy and each you think oh this is the best episode of the season then the next episode happens it's like oh my god it keeps getting better and better so i mean i think my favorite episode of this season which is tough because i think the finale is fantastic but i think Prague, the uh yeah. the bachelor party episode <laughs> which involves a uh swallowing of a load (laughs) god show is so great kieran culkin is fantastic i believe he just got a Golden globe nomination actually for the show uh nicholas mcfadden is great yeah nick Braun, another another guy who really grows throughout the season greg the egg goes from straight uh (laughs) straight comic relief to actually a really important and cool character uh, by the end and uh of course, Jeremy Strong is really great as Kendall, too. Yeah. So I think watching the Roy family was perhaps the most enjoyable thing I watched all year.
0: And, and that, that's the reason I put it at number one. Um, you know, I, When I think about television, uh, when I think about pretty much anything on these top ten lists, I think about how much did this thing capture me. Um, my top two were Secession and Atlanta. And those were the only two shows that by the end I needed to watch when they came out. Um, once I caught up to se- secession, I was waiting for it for was it ten o'clock uh, or nine o'clock on Sunday nights to watch Sunday. it so that yep. I could follow along on Twitter so that I could be part of the conversation. I could be reading the recaps. Um, it it <laughs> was the culture for a while, and uh, yeah. it was so funny. Uh, it, it had such awesome buildup and, and payoff moments. Um, you hate pretty much all the characters, but you also kind of love all of them in different ways. It's it's mm. they're very like almost endearing in a, in a sense because they're all so like fucking broken um but they yeah. they wear it in such and terrible ways. <laughs> yeah awful people um and i think you can think back to almost every episode in a moment sticks out and uh i think that if you know atlanta has been around and we talked about it a little bit how and we'll talk about more in a second how season one was just such a lightning bolt that it was going to be hard for season two to ever really match it completely and it did a pretty good job still but secession like that is just it was just a fucking lightning bolt this year and uh it's going to be probably what i remember most about 2018 is that this is the year secession came to us so um hats off to that whole cast looking forward to season two whenever it comes out um so does that make atlanta your number one then
1: that it does sir that it does all
0: right. I had it at number two, Donald Glover. Um yeah, what do you got to say about Atlanta?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Atlanta has the best episode of the year, Teddy Perkins.
0: Um you like eating ostrich eggs, Dave? <laughs> oh, I think it's so God. gross.
1: And then that episode gets even a little better once you realized that was Donald Glover the whole time. <laughs> now I think Atlanta we've talked about Atlanta a lot. Um especially last year, but this is a show that is a comedy, quote-unquote, but it's really more of a drama, and it's really more about subverting expectations and subverting uh, TV conventions Mm -hmm. more than anything else, and we said this at the time, and most people knew this already, but the star of the show is not Donald Glover. The star of the show is Brian Tyree Henry as Paperboy, as Alfred, and... He, Brian Tyree Henry is even better in season two. He has even more to do. The stuff with uh, the scenes about his mom, which also relate to Henry's mom in real life, I thought was just some of the best stuff I saw. And then, you know, it also has these, it's a show that is rife with unexpected moments, whether it's an episode, the whole episode like Teddy Perkins or stuff like the beginning with Cat Williams and Alligator Man. Yeah, Effectively anything that happens with uh, Keith Stanfield. (laughs) Um, <laughs> that that shot of the, the
0: alligator wit- walking out with that hello like still fucking crazy. <laughs> really got an alligator in there. Hey, friendly <laughs> with it? <laughs> um no, sorry, I cut you off. Please. please keep going.
1: No, I just uh you know, I, it's 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 tough to really say. It just I think it's just a show that like it just transcends all other quote cool comedies, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's just expertly exp- writing. And Hero Morai also gives it a great flair. We've talked a lot about several people already that have great cameras. And I think Hero Morai' his collaborations with Glover in terms of how they want to communicate scenes and, sh- and shots uh, really stands out. And I'm really glad that he's gotten a lot of love for the show because he-, he was relatively unknown as the guy who did music videos more than anything else, really. Um, and I think this is the best thing Donna Glover has been a part of uh, pretty easily, uh, which is funny, because a lot of the, quote, Glover stands only listen to his music and don't watch his show, mm-hmm. which I find hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I thought, uh, man, Robin season. It was awesome. I want more Zazzy Beats. That's probably my only critique. <laughs> I was going to say... Every time we get her, she's great.
0: Yeah, her and Lakeith Stanfield could always use more time, and I just don't, don't think they, they really got the time for it this season. Unfortunately... It, <laughs> i started laughing when you were talking about um you know uh brian tyree henry because i was thinking about the barbershop episode where he's just trying to get his hair cut to hold (laughs) 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 fucking bibby is that right bibby the barber just (laughs) driving him all around town yeah uh that and teddy perkins relax man (laughs) so fucking funny and then at the end when he goes to the different barber and he's staring at him and the guy doesn't know how to do his hair like so well written um Yeah, I mean, the show is just phenomenal. Donald Glover uh, continues to establish himself this year as uh, a culture maker and a visionary in our time. I mean, when we talk about songs next week, I have a feeling we'll at least be mentioning This is America, if not putting it somewhere on our Mm -hmm. list. Um, And I think it just speaks to the fact that Donald Glover right now is talking about things, presenting certain types of comedy and stories that, uh, not many people yeah. are really touching on you know you, and th- the spectrum of things you know you got the barbershop episode but then you have woods which you mentioned earlier yeah. um, which is it was a difficult episode I think when people first watched it but it really grew on people because of the performance and because of the story and the messaging behind it um, and th- this show really for being hilarious at times um, it, it it thrives with the things like FUBU or Woods or Teddy mm. Perkins when it delves into some some deeper uh I don't know if Teddy Perkins is necessarily deep, but I think it, there's a message there, but um just like not what you'd expect. So Atlanta still one of the, the most fun things to watch, period. Not even on TV, just period to watch right now. Definitely have to if you aren't watching Atlanta, don't even listen to this podcast. Like what's the point?
1: I I don't like that's the thing like anyone who's like watching TV criticism or reading about television it's one of the best shows uh, it's on everyone it's in everyone's top 5 at least right like yeah. I don't know how you anyone can be sleeping on the show unless they're just willfully not informed you know
0: Yeah We're willfully un- uninformed so uh want to recap just read the list real quick 10 to 1
1: uh yeah yeah so 10 Marvelous Susan, Maisel 9 My Brilliant Friend 8 Little Drummer Girl 7 Homecoming 6, Bodyguard, 5, Better Call Saul, 4, Barry, 3, succession, 2, Killing Eve, and 1, Atlanta.
0: I had 10, The Good Place would have been Bodyguard, uh, 9, Better <laughs> Call Saul, 8, Homecoming, 7, The End of the Fucking World, 6, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, 5, The Little Drummer Girl, 4, Killing Eve, 3, Barry, 2, Atlanta, Secession at the top of the list. And That's going to do it for us this week. Please tune in next week to hear us talk about our best songs and albums of the year. Uh, what else are we gonna be talking about next week, Dave?
1: I think that's really all we're gonna focus on. It's kind of a late, late time for music, but we'll probably have a rev- review of Roma, yeah, in that episode as well because it's literally winning every critic's prize for best picture. <laughs> Very excited about this movie. You know, I think we actually should shout out a show or two that we missed, that we wish we had included for this list. I know I have one in particular, that's The Americans. That's a show that I really love. I'm just not caught up on. I know a lot of people really love this last season, how the finale nails it, mm-hmm. so I'm really excited to watch it. But I didn't see it yet, so that's why it wasn't on my list.
0: Yeah, I'd probably say BoJack for me. Yeah. Uh... I I watch BoJack. I've seen a couple episodes of the season. Just wasn't able to get all the way through it yet, um, based on prioritizing different things we want to talk about. So you just can't you can't get to it all, especially when this is not our full time job. So, if, <laughs> but if you want it to be, go to soundcloudcom pod, Follow the pod on Twitter and anywhere else, YouTube, now Spotify, and give us that rating and review on iTunes and share us with friends. Help us grow so that we can be bringing you all the content that you want and uh yeah hit us up tell us what your favorite shows of the year were we want to hear from you maybe we'll post it on the twitter see what we think roma roma peace